Welcome to the Coach House Beacons. Hello everybody, welcome to today's beacon called Where's Your Heart? Last week I was having a discussion with Andy and Steve A. We were talking about how churches frown on things that aren't actually wrong in the Bible. We were talking about dancing and how that's frowned on in some forms of church and in the past it has even been completely banned. But David danced before the Lord. That can be found in Psalms and dancing isn't seen as a negative thing in the Bible. So why do churches do this? Why do they decide that certain things in culture are either really good or really bad? Well, with dancing specifically, a lot of it was to do with the social connotations. It was to do with what dance halls meant and what people went there for. And people in the church thought that this caused sinful thoughts. They thought that the act of dancing itself changed how you think. There are other ways that we can see this kind of legalistic thinking in certain churches today. There are churches where you have to wear a skirt and a hat if you're a woman. Or churches where men and women have to sit on opposite sides of the church. Because if men and women fraternise, that could lead to dangerous thoughts. See, the thing is, is that we like legalistic tick lists. We like to think that we're doing something to earn our salvation. We like to think that if we just keep all these rules, or mostly keep the rules, then we can get salvation for ourselves. We can earn our way into heaven. But the thing is, there's absolutely nothing we can do to earn favour from God. We were dead in our sins, every one of us. There is no one good, not even one. Ephesians 2 verses 4 to 5 says, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions, a fancy way of saying sins. It is by grace you have been saved. You see, dead people can't do anything to make themselves less dead. Dead people have no power to wake themselves up. They need somebody else to save them. So does that mean then that we can just continue to act how we want to? Well, no, we are not to continue in sin. Paul answers this question in Romans 6 verses 1 to 2. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? So there are certain things that can never lead us to God. And some of these are listed in Galatians 5, verses 19 to 21. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now this is a fairly comprehensive list of everything that we should be avoiding. These are things that could never lead us to God. They're against worship for him. 
Now each of us will have our own areas of strength and our own areas of weakness. There will be things that some of us are more likely to fall into and some, of, some things that we're less likely to fall into. It just depends on your personality. So it is sensible for us to put in safeguards to make sure that we don't cross any lines that we shouldn't cross. But these shouldn't be so much rules, but sensible guidelines for living. You see, almost anything can be used for worship or for worldly purposes. If we avoid that list of things and we just have a look at general things that are used in the world, such as dancing or singing or art, they can be used in a negative way, but they can also be used in a positive way. So it is quite possible for dancing to lead to sin if our thoughts are already going that way. It is quite possible for art to lead us to sin if our thoughts are already going that way. But it is also possible for dancing to lead us to God if our hearts are inclined to God. The reverse can also be true. So some things that can be used uh, for good or bad and if our hearts are inclined to God, then it will lead us to God. But also, if we're singing a worship song, that won't necessarily be worship. You see, when we sing a worship song, what we need to do is have our hearts fully inclined to God. Worship is not worship unless it's to, for and about God. So we could sing every note perfectly and we could play every note without mistake. But unless our hearts are inclined to worship God, there's no point, it's empty, it's not really worship. You see, when we are in that position where our hearts aren't inclined in the right way, God will eventually remove his blessing. Now, he won't necessarily do this immediately. So from the outside, it might look like you're doing really well, it might look like your ministry, whatever it is, is working and flourishing, but God might give us little hints that there's actually a better way to go, that our hearts aren't inclined in the right place, that we're being too prideful or focusing on the wrong things. But eventually, God will take that blessing away. See, God knows our hearts sometimes better than we do. In 1 Samuel 16 verse 7, it says, For the Lord sees not as a man sees, Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. See, when this verse was written, at that time, the Israel was looking for a new king. So they had Saul, but Saul had decided to go his own way. Saul had decided to go um, against what God wanted. So God decided to get a new king from a new family line. So the prophet Samuel had been sent to a man named Jesse. And Jesse had a whole load of sons and got them in order, in age order. And Samuel went down the line of sons to see which one God had anointed. Samuel even got all the way down to the end of that line and there was no other sons lined up. Because Jesse hadn't included his youngest son. He assumed the youngest son wouldn't be chosen anyway. So David was left out in the field. But God chose David because God saw the heart. So when Samuel was looking at the oldest son, this is what the Lord said. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on Eliab, that's the oldest son, appearance, or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. 
For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. This verse should be a real encouragement for us. If you're downhearted and you feel that you've been passed over for certain roles, we should be really encouraged by this verse to keep going. Because God sees our hearts. God sees if we want to be a worshipper. God sees if we want to have a certain ministry. He can see our hearts and he can see that we're worshipping him truly. David didn't immediately become king. He had to wait. And sometimes we have to wait too. But God sees your heart. So keep going in whatever you have been called to do. But this verse is also a warning. It's a warning that if your heart isn't in the right place, that God will eventually take that blessing from you. God passed over the older sons because their hearts weren't inclined the right way. So we need to make sure our hearts are in the right place. So how do we do this? How do we keep our hearts focused on God and keep our hearts pointing the right way? Well, unfortunately, we live in a fallen world. We were born into a sinful world where each of us chose to sin. So we cannot ourselves change our hearts and point them in the right direction. Now, Israel found this out time and time again. They tried to follow the rules that God had set and God even put sacrifices in place so that if they messed up, they had some way of getting back to him. But even with all of that, they still failed time and time again. And that's what we will do too. But we have the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit changes our hearts. The Holy Spirit turns us toward God time and time again. There are also some practical things we can do, not rules, but more helpful tips to help us focus on the right things and help us get our hearts in the right place. These are reading our Bibles so we know God's words, praying to align ourselves with God's will, and worshipping to direct our hearts the way they should go. These three things, when done with the right and pure attitude, will help us focus on the right things and begin to have the right thoughts and actions. So remember, God isn't looking so much at what you're doing, but why you are doing it. He doesn't want perfect robots. He wants us to choose to love him and act out of that. Let's pray. God, I pray that you'd help us examine our hearts. And I pray that um, instead of grumbling about being passed over or instead of um, moaning about things in church that aren't right, that we realise there's a time and a place to wait and there's a time and a place to focus on you. I pray that our hearts would be focused on you and our hearts would be going the right way. And I thank you that you've given us each gifts and you've given us each the Holy Spirit to help us develop those gifts in the right way. And I pray that we'd um, really focus on you this week and that our hearts would grow closer to you each and every day that every day we'd be a little bit more focused on what you want for our lives, God.
Thank you that you've blessed us. And thank you that you've given us your son so that we can get into a right relationship with you. Thank you that we're not left to our own devices. Amen. Coach House Beacons. The Coach House Church Daily Devotional. To find out more, join us on Facebook, Instagram or on our website at www.coachhousechurch.org.